following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Box Office Office 30. 30 with our review of what about bob i'm pete and as usual i'm joined by my good buddy michael and my guest angie how are you guys i am uh i'm ready to talk about this uh piece of cinema this evening i am super excited to hear mike's review of this movie i hope pete is like ready with the with the bleep button because this is gonna this is gonna come hot and it's gonna try come. To, try to go easy on the bleeps because that definitely multiplies the editing time. <laughs> let's let's instead come up with creative words that we can swap in elsewise for for it. So, so I I just have to come out the gate saying F- this movie though. <laughs> F- this movie I hate this movie I hate it. I hate it. F- this movie. Period. Okay. <laughs> You're well, welcome. I, I was going to ask you if you feel good, if you feel great, and if you feel wonderful, but it sounds like no, huh? <laughs> no. I. I. Okay. So I have a lot of thoughts. Thank God I didn't have to do the notes for this movie because I would have just taken my iPad and smashed it over my <laughs> knee. This is two hours of my life I'll never get back. Uh, This movie to me, and I wrote these thoughts down so I did not forget them. This movie to me is the antithesis of all the things I love about Groundhog Day and (laughs) Ghostbusters and SNL Bill Murray. This is the absolute opposite of it. I hate every bit of this movie without without prejudice. Just hate it. Bar none. I don't feel like you needed to write that down. (laughs) I wanted, to, but I stated I, that last time. <laughs> this movie makes me hate cinema. Period. I hate. Wow. It. Uh, wow. Uh, Damn. <laughs> You're like, I'm here to announce, I'm leaving the business. I am no longer pursuing anything to do with filmmaking. <laughs> I heard the other podcast you're on. They're going to be reviewing this movie as well. Oh, great! <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this movie. Should have been over at minute 18, then again at minute 23, then again at minute 28, and yet it kept going. There are so many moments in this movie where the movie just should have ended. If it was real life, it would have been over, done, period, end of story. (laughs) You know, it just really made me mad. The fact that I'm getting way ahead of ourselves, but I have to get all these thoughts out immediately or I'm going to explode with the fury of a thousand suns. Uh, 
Bob shows up in New Hampshire where the the antagonist Leo or you know uh, Richard Dreyfus's character is on vacation with his family. Is he so, the antagonist? Do you consider? I, I don't. I I, I, I don't know. I think that Bob is technically the antagonist in this movie. <laughs> Well, they're both kind of awful to each other, so maybe they're I, both antagonists. I, I kind of see this as Bob's journey from going to be a, a from a schizophrenic to whatever he becomes at the end. So I, I thought this was <laughs> he's essentially the protagonist in this movie. Interesting but, take. But so the moment that Bob shows up in New Hampshire, Leo should have picked up the phone and called the police and said, <laughs> "This man is stalking me." He had someone impersonate my sister. He told my switchboard operator he committed suicide, then impersonated a police officer. Movie over. Period. <laughs> Jail. Game over. Okay. There's another thought I have. When Bob said, I mean, I, I'm just going to jump in quick. I mean, like, you do know how this podcast works, right? Like, typically we, like, advance through the movie and we talk about it. Like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> so this is like the TLDR version. This, this is the off the rails. Here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll let Mike get this all out now and then he can just, like, leave for an hour and we'll talk about the rest of the movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to hold some of my thoughts till later. Please do. Okay. <laughs> but... This movie to me is pure and total dog. Okay, <laughs> you might have mentioned something like that. <laughs> yes, I I hate it. I hate it so much. All right, so let me take that as a jumping off point. All right, because we left last time on the note of this new section we were calling hypercritical, where I sort of had you and Angie sort of, you know, go at each other about what you thought was was better or worse, and we actually got some like you know pretty good feedback on that from a few folks. Um, so I'm happy that people kind of liked that segment. Um, I also had thrown up on our Twitter, and this was something that I kind of came up with after the fact. I probably should have thought of it ahead of time and mentioned it in the podcast. But I, I put up a little Twitter poll, and unfortunately, I feel like I only got like one-ish response on that. So I didn't, I didn't even know there was a poll. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I like called you out in it preemptively not to try and persuade others because I know how you and Twitter polls go. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I like but, to, um, to fudge I, the numbers. <laughs> I had um, Team Angie for people who liked it. I had Team Michael for people who hated it, and I had Team Pete for people who hadn't seen it slash were neutral on it. We had one vote. <laughs> now, we also had a response. Karen Flieger gave us a response. So thanks, Karen. Um, and she said that she liked it at the time, but now it's a little weird. Now, I'm not sure if she was the person that then also voted. So it's potentially that we had two responses here. But we had one whole vote, and that was for Team Angie Like It. So I don't know if that was Karen. Karen, you can let us know if that was you or um, if it was some other um, person out there because um, my friend Marcos from college um, wrote us his thoughts on the podcast and everything. Um, so thank you for your thoughtful response, Marco. So I don't know if you were the, the vote for team Angie, like it maybe. Um, but essentially with one vote, you take the win on, on the poll at least, but we're going to see That's what the, we're going to see what happens here in, in the rest of the show, because how we left off was going to be, where did I ultimately land on this? Was it? I, I already know how you landed. I just, knowing you as many years that I do, you thought this film was like, it's like The Godfather, Citizen Kane, 
What about <laughs> fucking Bob? Period. Right, so, so do you want to know? Do you yeah. want to know the answer? I already know the answer, but I assume that it's up. It's you liked it. I don't hate this movie like you, but I didn't like it at all. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and, and and we'll go through it. And Ange has, has got like a little like uh, kind of thing going here, but um, no, I, I did not like this movie. And I had to sit there and think about it after the fact that like there's so many other movies. Once I had seen it, I was like, oh god. And you sort of said this, I think, a little bit last time. It's a lot like a Captain Ron. It's a lot like a Beethoven. It's like one of these like you know, the dad is being put upon by some external person or force. His family is agreeing with whatever that is, and he's coming apart at the seams. I mean, it's been done in so many movies, and this one did it the absolute weakest, I feel like, of any of them that I've seen. That said, I had some genuine laugh-out-loud moments in this, which I'll I'll bring up at points. So, like, that's why I can't put it 1,000% in that hate, hate, hate field that you have it. I have um, one but- laugh moment. I had one laugh moment. One. Okay. And it happened within the first five minutes of the movie. And I'll tell you why. I think it took me, like, a good half hour or more. <laughs> but I, I had one little giggle. And it was because he, so this movie starts off with Bob essentially in his apartment in Manhattan. And I have thoughts about that regardless, <laughs> but he like says hello to his fish. He says he's going to work. He sits down at his desk and, and like punches himself in. That made me laugh only because I'm sitting there and I'm like in a post pandemic world, that makes sense. And it made me laugh. And then when he left the apartment and he like wouldn't touch anything, I was like, I can relate to that just because of COVID. Like, like I could see people being that kind of way in this world. How he lives in Manhattan in that beautiful apartment, or like in that beautiful <laughs> apartment. So I, 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 no, I, I, no, I mean like for, for you know, somebody that seemingly has no kind of income whatsoever. Like, how does he, he live? Dumb. He lives, yeah, but but he, he, lives, he lives in a brownstone. He's in such a it's, he lives a shit. Yeah, I mean the, the apartment's yeah, terrible because terrible. he does he, he does lives leave in a it. bad part of town. That's he why, leaves yeah. it and he's in like this hallway that I've never seen the likes of in all my years in New it, York. It looked like something off law but, and order. But that said, I still don't know how he's there because he doesn't do anything. Right. Um but but no, so I, I just sent you the the notes and I was holding off on sending Mike or Angie the notes that I had taken on this because I didn't want to spoil what my reaction was. But my very first note is just along what you're saying there, that like the initial reaction I had to this movie was like, oh, this movie's about COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like everybody I know at my office is walking around with a tissue on their hand, like opening doors and everything like that. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this is ringing a little bit too close to real life. So this is where this movie kind of fell apart for me, right? Sort of out of the gate is it, my initial kind of hot take from like the first like 10, 20 minutes was it was taking itself very seriously. Like it almost felt like you were watching some version of a, a, a realistic, um, you know, somebody that's got a lot of issues going to see a psychiatrist. You know, I, I almost expect out of something that's supposed to be like really silly and Bill Murray and everything like that to right out the gate, just be like really over the top goofy. And yes, yeah. it starts off with like, this weird mullet haired other doctor, um, Phil, I think, or something like that, passing it off. Um, you know, Oh, you gotta, you gotta take this new patient, Bob and everything. And it, you know, it's him moving around New York city, but like, 
he looks like he's in pain. I mean, like he's, do, you know, dealing with all the stuff. He doesn't want to like move around in the city and all this sort of thing. And I'm like, it, it, I was like, oh, this is, feels like too real kind of to to get going. I felt more sad than than silly in sort of these, um, you know, opening portion of this. <laughs> it's also, it's a thing where looking at it from a, a lens 30 years later, it's almost offensive to people who have like, you know, agoraphobia or like social anxiety disorders and stuff like that because because Bob sort of evolves from this like really really damaged person to almost as if he's a con man it feels like yeah I mean there's a couple of things as I was trying to do my normal like background reading on this movie um, wherein like they were sort of having real psychologists talk about this movie that like there's a lot of lawyers out in the world that look at my cousin Vinny as like a really good movie about like law and a trial. And I guess there was a lot of like psychiatrists that like took a look at this movie and like got a kick out of it. But ultimately we were like, you know, no psychiatrist would act this way, but the way that Bob's depictions of certain ailments were actually kind of somewhat true to form. But to your point, it comes off feeling disingenuous, like that he's got so many things going for him. It's not just like he has like one thing that he's trying to overcome. It's like all these different things. And he sort of even says something like, Oh, I'm afraid I have this and I'm afraid I have that. So I act like I have it because that way I can't possibly have it, you know, and things like that. And it's like, yeah. you know, that unto itself I read is like actually a thing. Right. <laughs> you know, like That's like an actual condition unto itself too. Yeah, There's a condition. I forget what it's called exactly, but like, you 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 hear that you have you know diverticulitis and you like manifest that you have that issue whatever in your brain you think that you have it or whatever well, i mean that but like the the flip of it like what he's literally saying where he's saying i preemptively act like i have the thing so that way i can't possibly have it like that's right. the thing you know what i yeah. mean um but the inconsistency through the movies was what was driving me nuts. I feel like if you get a movie where you have somebody who's got a psychological condition of, of one sort or another, and they're dealing with that one thing throughout you, you can like kind of deal with that, but like his symptoms come and go like the wind, like there's like, you know, like one moment he's like having trouble, you know, touching doors and all this sort of thing. And then like other points, it, it doesn't seem to exist or, you know, he's got a problem with like narrow spaces, but other points in the movie that doesn't, I don't know. It's just like, it's just so all over the place with like how he's reacting to things. And it, it just comes off feeling like he's like, you're sick, like a con man, like somebody who's improving being sick and can't keep the charade up because like, it's just too all over the place. And and you can tell there's, <laughs> there's a lot of this movie where Bill Murray definitely is improving. And just kind of like riffing. Well, he improvs it. all of it. Yeah. Like, I, I think that they give him a general direction, but like, there's a few things I read that like, basically every time you see him doing anything in the movie, he's like a hundred percent off script. <laughs> so I, I do like the moment when he leaves the doctor's office, he leaves uh, Leo's office and he gets into the elevator and it's just like this shot of the hallway. You just hear him screaming 
That made me laugh a little but, bit. You know, like, yeah, I mean, like Anne just sitting here. too. <laughs> I have a theory that by the end of this podcast, no. you're both going to like it. No, but let me give you the exact opposite interpretation. And I was about to say Anne just sitting here quiet because now she's the one. It was like predictable. Was last time. Michael last episode was sitting there with his hand over his mouth steaming. Now she's doing the exact same thing, sitting, sitting here with her mouth, hand over her mouth steaming about the fact that this isn't going her direction at all. Because what I'm about to say was... Was, I was like, he's about to get in that elevator and scream. And sure enough, he got in the elevator and screamed. Oh, it was totally like, predictable. Course, you know, totally like, predictable. How many movies are like, of course, predictable. But I was like, eh. <laughs> and I was trying to keep a poker face throughout this whole movie last night. Because I was like, I don't want to give away to you if I was loving it, hating it. I was trying to just keep a very straight face. And there was a few times, like I said, where I did genuinely laugh out loud at one thing or another. So I got to give it that. But like, I was cringing inside on that moment, to be honest with you. Like, uh. <laughs> and, and, and even Richard Dreyfuss's character, like, he, he comes off in the beginning as sort of a narcissist. Like, he's he's kind of an egomaniac because he's got this book and, and, and everything. But he goes from being a narcissist to being a maniac <laughs> in, in, like, a moment. And I'm just like, nothing feels genuine in this whole movie. And it just really irritated me. To no end. I, I kept having to like pause it, take a breath, and be like, oh, balls, here we go again. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's the ultimate arc of this movie. Like, if you strip everything else away, the, the story underneath is you have this like super prim, proper, like big ego. You, you can tell that this guy is supposed to be like the top of his field sort of psychologist. He's got this book coming out. He's going to be on Good Morning America. And it's about how this one patient basically goes to dismantle him throughout the rest of the movie, which mm -hmm. is fine, okay? Like, that's fine. The story's there for that. I see that happening. But the problem is, and I, I think this is sort of what you're saying, and again, we're jumping around now, but it's like, I think the, the movies where we get like annoyed by things like this, there's no avoiding that. But like when... Everything, I mean, like, we can skip, right, to basically, like, this movie gets going, as you said, when Bob shows up at his vacation in New Hampshire. The two of them meet, they have this sort of innocuous meeting, he gives him his book, he charges him twenty nine ninety five for the book, um, and he leaves, and he's like, I'm going on vacation, you know, talk to my, my other guy. And then from there, Bob, you know, like, as you said, like, starts impersonating a police officer, he, he starts, like, calling him on his vacation, and he's like, you know, like immediately it doesn't make sense because this, this like call center like is like, oh, yeah, we'll put the call through because he's having like a problem. Like the whole point of those call centers is to field people like this and not put them through. They, right. they route them to the person they're supposed to route them to. Right. That's why I'm like, that's it. That's why I'm like, by minute 18, this movie should have been over. The first but then thing the next thing is he shows up at the call center. How does he know where this call center is? Right. Like, what grounds does he have to know where this random call center is? Yeah. And he shows up there in, like, a detective outfit and, like, immediately fools these people by saying that he committed suicide and, and that he therefore needs to get the address of this doctor. Like, what are, uh, what are you talking about? And and, and so the again, problem, like the movie logic, you can get past it. But right. I was just like, what are but, you? Talking about? But like, this call center's got three women in it, and Bob has spoken to Betty, the call center lady. It's got to be a dozen times. I would assume she must have called. And you'd think 
she kind of recognizes voice because when he shows up in this, you know, random closet call center that felt like a, you know, a switchboard out of like something in Mad Men where they're just kind of like, you know, just like sitting in a room together. And I'm like, this woman would be like, gee, this guy sounds familiar. He sounds like the guy who's claiming to be committed suicide. Hmm. Maybe I should not just give the place the the doctor's information right to a stranger. <laughs> he, he he flashed like a debit card essentially. <laughs> He's yeah, like, it was something weird. I forget what it said on it, but it was something weird like that. Yeah. You know, you're gonna have to jump in here and there to try and defend this thing. Otherwise, you're gonna get swallowed up. <laughs> uh, no, there, there, there's no defending it. And, and we and the, the the truth of the matter is, we haven't even discussed. Leo's family, which I have so many well, mean, mean well, things to say. We'll get to them, but like I had to point out that because as I'm going through my notes here, I, I wrote down that he um, he back at his vacation house, he uses the clapper, and I, mm-hmm. I, I I I had to point out we've got two movies now that we've discussed where somebody has used the clapper already. Mm-hmm. So like excellent, another '90s pull. I think we should mm-hmm. keep a running tally through the. Um, ongoing podcast how many times we see the people use the clapper in the <laughs> I'm, I'm game i'm game for that yes that's like the pre like alexa times like yes. you know like alexa turn off my lights but instead of that it's like <laughs> <laughs> it would be hilarious if you just did that and the lights just turned off in your well, that's house why I, like steamrolled talking because i know she can hear me back there and the lights would have gone off so like that's why i had to like keep talking to confuse her when you talk with her and you don't want her to do something you have to try and directly confuse her about what yes. you're saying. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so he, he goes in there, but then next thing you know, is he shows up at this bus stop. He wants to go and, and travel up to New Hampshire. Okay. 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 <laughs> I, 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 I wrote this as a note because it really bothered me. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> really about the bus station thing really made me mad. Okay. When he gets to the bus station, the bus driver knows him. Is, right. Who is driving to New Hampshire? No, because he's been pacing, and she probably. But she knew his name because he's been pacing there. He probably, he probably told her his entire life story. I I find that hard to believe. In one respect, the first thing he does when he walks up to anybody, he goes, "Hi, I'm Bob." So, like, maybe just it. I'm sure he. The inference is that he told. So maybe that's on the cutting room floor. Yeah, that did throw me for a loop because, like, he's like struggling to get on that bus, and then all of a sudden she's like, "Hey, Bob," and I'm like, "How does she know him?" It's like this random bus driver on this random bus to New Hampshire knows this guy's name right out the gate. I'm like. That makes no sense. Yeah, no, no. They, because they even infer several times throughout the movie that he has a relationship thing where he has to introduce himself. He has to, like, impersonate on people who he is. So it's totally plausible that he would have told her, like, right off the bat, I'm Bob, I'm going to, like, Winnipesaukee. You're I reaching. You're that. reaching here. I don't know. If they, <laughs> I don't even know they thought that far. But here's a, here's a fun fact, though. The bus driver now is the grandma on the show Nora from Queens. What the your, heck is Nora from Queens? Your trivia facts are the worst. And I said to myself, he's going to come up with something even worse than the Silence we actually, of the Lambs we had, we pool. Did, no, we had You a need whole to have a whole section dedicated to your trivia. That's we, so random. We had, a, we had a whole conversation driving a few days ago where this came up, where we're like, he brought up, you asked he's like, oh, fun fact. Like, about Buffy, do you know the actor who, that plays Buffalo Bill. 
And he's like, oh, he's the, the guy that's like Monk's boss on Monk. And I was like, nobody's even seen Monk in like 20 years. <laughs> I was like, I would have to like think really hard about who that character is. <laughs> but the, these are facts. These are, yeah, they are, they are facts. What the and, hell is Nora from Queens? Yeah, they are facts in the truest sense of the word fact. But yeah, no, I have no clue no, what Nora from Queens is. Okay. okay. Nora from Queens is a show starring Aquafina. No, it's, it's on HBO Max. No. And it's on, also on no. comedy. <laughs> Nobody knows what you're talking. About. Yes, they do. It's a good show. I like you're it. The one of ones people that's watching. I, I liked it. I liked it. I like Aquafina. Let's go back um, to this dog movie. <laughs> Let, please, let's get back on, on track to this dog yes, movie. Yes. So. So, so anyway, so now getting to the point where you were like already jumping 30 years ahead into the movie, he shows up in New Hampshire. (laughs) (laughs) The family is in town, like at the local grocery store. Bob gets off the bus and his first reaction is to just start screaming Leo's name at the top of his lungs. Yeah. Which is, again, another one of these behaviors that never repeats itself ever again in the movie. Never. Like, you could almost, like, attribute, like, this guy's having a panic attack. He just got off the bus. He's feeling, like, you know, dirty and weird from being on the bus. I did appreciate the bus people, like, really, like, ecstatic that he got off the bus. Although that seems a little mean-spirited. But he, he, he just starts screaming and screaming. And somehow it works because they just happen to be in town, not off somewhere at their house. Literally, Who he I- has the address of. Yeah. We could just like go to their house and then start yelling the name. <laughs> like, like it's just so convenient that this, you know, podunk town has like the one five and dime, the one coffee shop, and the one like convenience oh, store. You mean like Sag Harbor? When I used to date him, I would get off the bus, and this is before cell phones, and I would literally walk into any store and say, start screaming Pete's name. I would start <laughs> screaming Labrosi, and they'd be like, "Oh, oh, we know that. We know their numbers, and that's not a lie." I would, I could walk into any store on Main Street, and they would know his family because it's a small town. Uh, it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that town's that town's flipped over too much. <laughs> But uh, he's brought his little fish friend with him in like a like a Gil. mason jar, and I'm pretty sure that fish is like dead ten times over. Oh Just yeah, a note about Gil. Yeah, I named my fish after Gil. I like Gil. I think Gil's a strong character. <laughs> Gil could die too in this movie. I, I don't know. Gil might be the only likable character in this yeah. film for me. He's, he <laughs> I, have, I have two sets of likable characters. I think it's Gil. And I'm going to get to the other uh, likable character. Yeah, I, 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 I think Gil is kind of a redeemable character. Yeah, I could see that. Because he, yeah, he just needs to be set free in that he's lake. He's being dragged along through this without um, without any consent. He He's an unconsenting, unwilling fish. <laughs> um, so anyway, you start to get a little insight um, into who Leo is as a person because then – Bob ends up in the store and the, the local townspeople are like in a restaurant because he sends them to a restaurant. He says, I'll call you at four, go into this restaurant. Um, and the, the people that like run the little restaurant who I was, I was just about to mention are my other redeemable characters in this movie. And they have a name, but I can't remember it. Husband and wife. They just show up like on a boat randomly, like watching them for the rest of this movie. They're the other people that I like in this yeah. movie because they like say it too. like it is and they don't really seem to like anybody. They don't like uh, Leo. They It made me so 
said that their like dream in life was to buy this house that he swooped in and bought out from under them. So immediately he's really unlikable. (laughs) You know, I was like, I just want them to get their little house back. And like, there's nothing that's going to fix that for them throughout the rest of this movie. We cut back to Leo and his family and he is forcing his son to dive off of a dock. What is this diving fixation? Can you explain this? No, like, this has always been something I've never understood. No, it's it creepy. And I have yeah, to say, yeah. like, you know, like, the, truth be told, and if we have any um, uh, psychologist listeners out here, I'm going to apologize to you in advance for what I'm about to say. But psychologists, I used to work for a um, conference division for a medical company. And we had a portion of the conference that was for psychologists. And the people that came out of the woodwork for this at at times were not to be believed. And like, I feel like this is on full show here with this guy and later on his creepy little puppets and everything that he does to his family and people like this guy's as crazy as Bob could ever be. And he's trying to force his son to dive off this dock. Now, look, I get the idea of trying to teach your child to do something. We've been struggling to get our child to, to ride a bicycle. She's very timid and whatever, but like, he's like, going like way out of his way. You've got to dive. You've got to dive. It's not like swimming, like, like swimming. I could almost get like, you want your child to be able to swim. And like, you know, if they ever fall in the water, they'll be safe. But this diving thing, I thought diving was fun as a child. Therefore you have to learn to dive, you know, like this weird thing. (laughs) Yeah. There's no, there's no like established reason why, other than the fact that, you know, Leo says he loved diving as a kid. But beyond that, there's not like a reason for it. Incidentally, his kid, the one that's in Dick Tracy and and Hook, was that other actor's name that I came up with last time where I was like, that's the other person starring in it. So they must have listed him because he's kind of like a popular child actor. Um, He's got an interesting side note, interesting life after this. Like, he, you know, he has a few childhood movies and things like that, but then he quits acting and like goes on to get like, a degree in physics and like now he's like a law professor at like Southwestern or something like that. I mean, like he's, he's, he's got quite a life after that, but uh, yeah, I digress. Um, so I don't know. So <laughs> the other thing I have in my notes here then is I was curious what your guys take is on the actual psychiatry that he's professing in this movie, things that he's suggesting to Bob, that might be helpful. So he starts off earlier with his baby steps thing, which actually seemed like something that's like probably somewhat quasi common sense, but also good advice, which is like tackle one small thing at a time, his baby steps thing, tackle one small thing at a time. And then you go from there. Mm -hmm. But his next piece of advice that he gives to Bob is his, um, his prescription, give yourself permission to take a vacation from your problems. Does this seem like actual advice that any psychiatrist would like in good conscience give somebody? I don't think so, but I, I, I understood the idea behind it. It's sort of like this guy is a prisoner of his own mind, uh, essentially, and like try to disc- – I don't know if a, a, a person in that state could actually do that, but I, I, I understood what – what they were trying to get with. I mean, I feel like it's something off the side of a coffee mug, like give yourself permission to have a great day or something. He was at that point just so desperate to get him to leave. He was just trying to give him something simple to yeah, but, comprehend. But, 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 but the, the thing about that is it's like, 
Leo, as the psychiatrist, should have realized when he used the verbiage "take a vacation." Yeah, he and, set himself up to fail, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and like he's because he, he's been hammering into Bob's head this whole time. I'm on vacation. I'm on vacation, and this guy is so you know mentally unstable. He he might automatically associate Lake Winnipesaukee as the only vacation place if this doctor thinks this is the great place to go and yeah so bob takes off for the first of many times we go back inside the house and this is where we're first introduced to those really really creepy puppets <laughs> which are like housed on like the mantle place which is like oh okay. my god they're terrifying I, like just awful and terrifying you know they you know to be burned with fire <laughs> they made me think that they are the demonic versions of the puppets in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. I think there was a missed opportunity. And again, this is skipping ahead for anybody who hasn't seen the movie. So here comes your spoiler hashtag that when they blow the house up at the end, I wish that like some burning puppets landed nearby them. That would have been a true payoff for me, but they didn't do it. Um, But you can start just telling that that Leo's as big a kook. I mean, he's named both of his kids after Sigmund and Anna Freud. So, like, you know, like, there's already some just, like, weird, like, obsession with his own career and things and, like and, that. And he's got two head sculpts of Freud himself. One yeah, in his office. He has the sculpt there, yeah. And one in, in their vacation home. I think it's the sculpt that lands next it to them is, after the is. explosion. Yes. But see, yes. then, if that's the case, they could have had the puppets land right after it, too, because those things were next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and And here's the thing about the family, right? Like, all of the actors who portray the family, I genuinely like in most things. They are not redeemable in this at all. Yeah. I don't like them. They are extremely one-dimensional, and they are at times aloof and you know almost like borderline Magoo. And well, this was the the very next notes I had in my notes. I specifically bring these two up. I, I, the daughter is so oatmeal that I, I don't really even have anything to say about her. But the kid I, I personally found to be like exponentially better in Tracy, Dick Tracy and Hook. Oh yeah. He's awful. He just, He's- but, but like he, he for me was like probably, I don't know. He just, he just was not good in this. And the funny part is, is like, I even find him to be the weakest part of Hook. And you oh, know yeah. I love Hook, but like if I have one thing I really don't like about the movie, it's him. Oh, he's horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we'll get like, to that down the road here. Great, great. Wonder Hook. I look but forward like, to that movie too. But like, oh. oh wait, what do you like? What do you dislike the most? This or Hook? Oh, that's pretty tough. They're both pretty bad. <laughs> well, because you said that this movie was like canceling cinema, cinema for you. For so you. like, yeah. I mean, like, like Hook makes you want to just like take a long walk off like a short building or something i mean like i i'll i'll say i'll say that i was gonna say pier but i I don't know he looks like he wants to walk off a building instead uh uh, rufio and julia roberts are the only redeemable parts of hook in my opinion okay we'll get to hook in a few months (laughs) but 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 this movie has zero redeemable quality i I do i do agree with you about the family though they're very one-dimensional like Like julie haggerty it's like wake up well they have like they each have like their own thing and like like the kids thing and i i cannot stand this this was lowell in kindergarten cop (laughs) it's it's these children in movies that have to be obsessed with death 
And I, I just hate it. I hate that. I don't understand why movies yeah. do that. I don't think I've ever met a kid in real life who's obsessed with death, who's like, we're all going to die someday. So why does it matter? Like, there's no small child that thinks in those terms. Right. If anything, a realistic child take on death would be like, I'm afraid of that happening, you know, sort of thing, whatever. But there's no kid like that that's that age that, like, starts, you know, like, I mean, he's like, like it's like the South Park, like, uh, goth kids with, like, the baby who smokes. Like, it's like, that's what I think of when I see that. And I'm just like, what are you guys thinking about? And then to Julie Haggerty's point, literally every time I see it, she's useless in this movie. Useless. Her <laughs> whole thing is to play that role in this type of movie where the wife just disagrees with the husband for the sake of the movie. Like, there's no yeah. reason yeah. that this woman wouldn't be like, oh, my God, this psychopath guy keeps showing up at our back door at unexpected times. And she just, like, giggles about it. Doesn't make any sense. Right. Every single time she's on screen, I wish I was just watching Airplane instead. Yeah, no. It's she's a billion times better movie. And, and, she's so much better. <laughs> and, and, and it's unfortunate, you know, because, you know, she's, you know, she's deceased at this point in r- real life. But, you know, she's just so bad in this movie and she's so like pathetic. Like this, this is like the least, you know, female character we've seen in any movies we watch that has any kind of redeemable qualities. They just made her pathetic, even to the point where later on in the movie, he's driving away. and She's just yelling. What about Bob? What about Bob? What about Bob? Oh my God, where's Bob? Oh my God, where's Bob? Yeah, no, the family is irrational. None of the stuff makes sense. If this guy kept creeping on them like that, they would all be terrified. They'd be calling the cops, as you said. Right. And then to the next, very next point, you know, Bob heads off down the road and the girl, teenage girls driving down the road, and she stops and invites this strange man to go sailing with her friends on a boat. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It wouldn't it's, happen. It would not happen. <laughs> Austin, or, just so you know, I think she's still alive, just so we don't get a comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she passed. I think she's... Wikipedia says no. I think her career, along with uh, Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins being... <laughs> <laughs> Is well, very much alive. Well, I'm going to have to hire you to be our official fact checker for the show. Julie Haggerty's alive. Okay. <laughs> oh, stop killing people yeah. and taking their awards away. Yeah. <laughs> okay, please cut all that shit out. Then okay. But you're right. That's staying no, in now. No. <laughs> no, please don't. Please rip don't. Julie Haggerty. <laughs> Please cut it out. Well, we have to have a um, like a uh, like some- those we lost this year in box <laughs> office thirty. <laughs> but somebody who looks like her passed away. Who's an actress? Uh, wait, wait, that's like the basis. <laughs> a female actress died. <laughs> might have been Julie Haggerty. Might not. <laughs> All right, cut all that shit out. We're not cutting out. This makes for excellent comedy. People appreciate this part of the show. And by people, I mean me. Uh, okay, so, so I have so much hate for this movie, and I hate for this, I have so much hate for this podcast tonight as well. So like, Bob's out on the boat with this daughter, not at all creepy. And and they fucking tied him to the to the to the mast. Yeah, if, I hope the boat doesn't flip because otherwise Bob is dead. <laughs> I wish he um, was dead, and then we would have been over again. They they show up. 
in the marina, the father sees the daughter and has a completely rational response to his teenage daughter with some complete strange man with her. Right. And, and grabs her aside. The But then it becomes unwound. I, I had respect for him for a moment, but then it comes unwound because he's like, we haven't had a, a chance to talk. Let's take a walk and talk. But then immediately pulls out those freaking <laughs> creepy kill them now puppets. And they proceed to have a conversation with the puppets that doesn't even need or any facilitate those puppets. I don't understand it. They don't add anything. The, yeah. they, he doesn't. He doesn't have like the magic stick, which gives you permission to talk or something. Right. I, I don't understand it. It's so bizarre. I, I don't know whose choice that was. I mean, like the, you know, Leo's character is supposed to be the straight man. Everything yeah. else around him is supposed to be insane and doesn't make sense. But he himself doesn't make sense. So it's like it. Well, I don't know. I it just think, falls apart. I think that's the point. I think that's actually the point of the movie. And you said it in earlier. But then you, you have know, nothing like to, a, there's no lightning rod then. There's nothing to like <laughs> ground you to it. Like There's nothing to care about either. I mean, the funny part was like, I, I was trying to do my normal research and actually maybe to Michael's win on this, uh, unlike usual, I'm usually able to find all these great articles and YouTube videos and things like that about like, oh, you know, down the road, what about Bob? Great things you didn't know about it. There's very little about this. And so I did find a clip of Siskel and Ebert, um, you know, going over this. And of course, they're doing their normal thing where they're disagreeing on it. But one of them made a point, which was that um, Leo's character, just from the outset, like he, he, like he shows up and he's like, all right, he's like a calm, cool, collected, like even like every little beard hair is like perfect on him. And then as soon as Bob sees him for like the first time in New Hampshire, he starts losing his cool, which is okay. And you understand that even though he's like, oh, I never get angry. I never get upset. Even though you can tell he's losing his patience, he says, I'm losing my patience. But then like from there on out, he's just losing it. And again, yes, we established that this is like he has to unravel throughout this movie. But this isn't him unraveling. This is who he is as a character. This right. is who he is as a person. He's a nut job already. It's, it's and so not, you lose you know, that lightning rod of like, all right, I can I can understand him from like an outside point of view. He gets too big, too quick. He gets insane too quick, and you can't follow him. <laughs> and and you made a very good point earlier. In comparison to a movie like uh, Captain Ron or like Martin Short's ca- Ron or Rod is a couple Rod. I forget. Is it Rod? Ron is the captain. Yeah, Ron. Right. Yeah. R O N. Yes. That's, that's what I thought. okay. In in Captain Ron, like Martin Short's character is. He progressively goes nuts because of this guy, as opposed to this character who just goes from zero to like, I'm a lunatic and it's really annoying. And I'm just looking at uh, Frank Oz's movies and he he has a, you know, a follow up to this movie. He's another real stinker is House Sitter. That's a real dump of a movie, too. (laughs) It's like he had a couple of real bombs and this one should be a bomb, too. I just. Oh, I just hate this movie so much. I, really I mean, do. like the one little thing I did like dig up outside of some of the stuff that we talked about in the last episode was that um, the set of this movie was a train wreck. And nine tenths of that is due to Bill Murray. He did not get along with Richard Dreyfus. He would and like to hear Bill Murray explain it. He was like, you know, I was kind of doing it on purpose to rile him up and make the movie better. But then when you read some of the other accounts, like he like assaulted a producer um, on the set of this film, he like he like yelled in her face and took her glasses and threw them and smashed them. And he like pushed another woman into the water after he had a disagreement with her. And Frank Oz, 
um, is on record as saying that he thought this movie, he was worried in his own words that this movie was going to be a complete piece of shit. Because on set, he's like, this is insane. He's like, Richard Dreyfus and Bill Murray hate each other because Bill Murray on screen and off screen was just antagonizing um, Richard Dreyfus the whole time. Like he'd like get like, he'd like lay his head on his shoulder and scream in his ear and do like just miserable, annoying stuff to him. And so Richard Dreyfus to this day does not like Bill Murray. Um, like, you know, like you can I see, can see like, why there's a, few, there's a few interviews out there where he talks about that. He just doesn't like him. He says he, he says he finds him funny and that like he wishes he could, you know, be as funny as he was and things like that. But he, you know, he was tortured by the guy on set. And Frank Oz sort of says, like, he's like, I'm amazed that this movie came together because it was just like a train wreck. Like, you know, like that nobody was getting along. Bill Murray was going like way off all the time. And it sounds like, and maybe this is why we have such like an utter disagreement between like somebody who really likes it and somebody who really hates it. It sounds like they just stitched this thing together with what they had. It sounds like they were really like, uh, like a, I've used the word a few times in a row. I'm going to use it again. A train wreck on the set of this movie. Yeah. And that Frank Oz says that he was shocked when this movie did as well as it did with audiences, because he thought that everybody was going to hate it. <laughs> like he, he did not know what was going to come out of it. So, you know, I guess you can see where this sort of um, odds and evens reaction sort of comes into this sort of thing. Um, but, you know, like even for me, I think, you know, you said it, I was going to love this movie because you know me, you know how I like Bill Murray and everything. I did not find him as funny or charming in this movie as usual. And again, right. he's he not. shows up at most movies and does the Bill Murray improv thing. And most of the time I love that. But like there was just, I don't know, there was a few things that he came out with at a couple points where I was like, yeah, that's a little funny. But he didn't have that. You know, I feel like he's almost a better character when he's being a complete a <laughs> like when he's being a jerk, when he's like, you know, Dr. Peter Venkman and Ghostbusters, you know, who's just being super sarcastic and all this sort of thing. That's one thing. Or like Phil Connors. When he's being Phil Connors, he's that's like that's him. That's his perfect comedic version of himself. I feel like. That or like even in Caddyshack where he's like completely past Bob. Like if you put like a spectrum of Bill Murray characters and you go past Bob into like this guy's just a complete like he's just played like a total idiot. Like he's, he's like he's got like a brain in his head. You know, I mean, he's like he's like uh, Wiley Coyote trying to foil the Roadrunner in, in Code of Caddyshack. You know what I mean? Right. And he's just like, he's so much fun in that weird, goofy role. In this, he's like in this weird in-between where like, again, like he's doing zany stuff, but like because of his character, you know, they, they're trying to make him like likable and that his family is like, you know, enjoying him. You know, like what, the weird thing about this, because like, you know, we mentioned it last time, is that this role was written for Robin Williams. And swap in your head for a minute, take oh. Bill Murray out and put Robin Williams in the same spot. And all of a oh sudden you can see where he could take and run with this character right. and get away with some of the stuff that I feel like for me personally, Bill Murray was not doing. No. You know, like he's just annoying and he comes off annoying. And like, I know that's the point of the character, but like, you know, you as an audience member have to feel like, He's annoying, but I think it's funny. You know, like an Eric Cartman character is annoying, but it's because he's 
funny that he becomes like an also like you'd love to hate him sort of character in this like bob flounders between being somebody you want to hate and somebody like that you're like feeling bad for and like i don't know i just never found something for the character and like just even the comedy like all right yeah he's strapped to a boat and he's yelling i'm sailing i'm sailing okay great like that's that didn't make me laugh out loud or anything you know like i don't know yeah i i agree like you think of like annoying characters like urkel is annoying but he's charming and redeemable and you know a robin williams type of actor in this role would have been so much more charming and redeemable bill murray just comes off as uh, a pain in the ass and it's really really frustrating because i can't I, there's just no one i like in this movie at all and and i couldn't get it was so hard to get through because i was so mad about it and we, we've gotten a bit off track but it's important too because you mentioned you know with regard to the do- teenage daughter taking bob sailing you know later on something else happens in this movie that i'm like how is this possible why would this ever happen Let's take back to your notes because you yes a couple of good things here. <laughs> two two back to the station here, All right? So, um, so basically, uh, Bob ends up on the dock with the kid, and and one thing that I did enjoy was that he had the huge original Game Boy, <laughs> which I I miss seeing. So that was another little fun '90s timing jolt. Um, but you know, essentially, he's having like a little conversation with the kid. And you feel like Bob is somehow what the scene ends up with is that the kid finally dives. And it's this weird amalgam where you're like, is Bob getting the kid out of his shell? Which in such case, why would he know how to do that or know that this kid is like got to dive or whatever? Or is the kid trying to like help Bob by showing him that he can overcome something or whatever? But like, again, it just, it felt preposterous. It didn't, it didn't really make any sense. Like, you know, nobody in this family has any reason to like Bob. You know what I mean? Like, yes, when people meet him, he's like, hi, I'm Bob. And he seems like this like jovial character, but like, he's just been creeping on their vacation. And like, there's no reason why all of like, it seems like he has this preternatural weird ability that anytime he meets anybody except for Richard Dreyfuss or other psychologists that people just like him. And it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really add up. You know, like that older couple likes him. The family all likes him. Uh, eventually, that, you know, like the people that, at the psychiatry place like him. You know, it's just. That's why I said he feels like a con man. Because later on in the film, Richard Dreyfus takes him to the mental institution. And he's just yucking it up with them and having a great. And they're like, oh, this guy's nothing wrong with him. And I'm like, he's conning them. Like, that's the problem there. It's not believable. Yeah. And then again, like, you know, I think he gets sent off yet again or something happens yet again. And the kid is the first one to start screaming. What about Bob? Yeah. And and I was like, oh, oh, they said the movie title. You know, there's a cinema sin. Ding. You know, um, but uh, and then you like you said later on, the woman is yelling it. And I was like, I hate that they actually not only did that once, but twice in the film and then to your point with like the thing of like where he's like hi i'm bob hi i'm bob this movie should have been called hi i'm bob not what about bob (laughs) well that's my thought i think this movie may have been titled something else originally but that particular line just seemed funnier and they changed the name of the movie because of it because i don't even get a kick about what about bob like what does that even mean what about bob what about bob like like i don't know just (laughs) yeah it is uh 
Um, so I don't know, skipping around a little bit, um, he gets in like a rage, Leo, um, and he starts choking on question air. mark. Air? <laughs> Did he have food with him? Air? Was he drinking? I don't know. But he's like, he's like coughing. I'm not even going to say he's choking because he's coughing. He's making noise, which like, if you're choking, you're not making noise. And then it goes into this whole scene with like Bob jumping on him and the family, like the wife is like, don't die. I love you. And like, you know, like the kids like jump on him and pound him loud, loud you know, harder and all this thing. And I'm just like, it was so over the top. And I'm like, like, like I can't tell if it's Richard Dreyfuss's shitty acting <laughs> because I like, he's like, I'm like, Jesus, age Christ. And, Tone it down a little bit. And, and Bob is jumping literally <laughs> like he's literally breaking every vertebrae in his spine, the way he's like knee dropping on him. <laughs> and then, when when he finally like he doesn't even re- cough anything up, they nothing- just eventually stop jumping on him. <laughs> right, nothing gets coughed up. I'm like, I don't understand what happened here. It makes no sense. Oh, you saved my daddy's life. I'm like, he basically broke his lower vertebrae in his back. Yeah, it's like. Oh my god! And then, I'm, like next thing, the whole bunch of them are like singing, singing in the rain, way too excitedly. <laughs> like again, much to to Leo's chagrin, but like they're like almost like scream singing, singing in the rain, yeah. the, like the, throwing dishes across the room. Like, like here's the here's the problem with this that this whole sequence, right? The wife knows Leo is stressing about this a uh, Good Morning America yeah. interview. Which is like super important, right? (laughs) Right. He's trying to sell his book, (laughs) right? Richard Dreyfuss's character is clearly not liking this guy. Why would she then invite him to dinner? Yeah, I mean, like again, it 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 serves like the comedy foil of the movie, and again, they do this in all these. You watch Captain Ron, you watch any of them. There's always this thing about, like I said earlier, like the family, like trying to to push the narrative that's completely the opposite of whatever's good for the husband or the family even, or whatever, you know, it it doesn't really make sense, but usually that's a little bit of the comedy of it in this movie. I just couldn't get into that because I was just like, (laughs) this, it just doesn't even make sense because this guy is so crazy and insane. It doesn't, there's no redeeming end to it. Um, There's nothing. Cause like, it's not even like, if you sit and think about this movie and the fact that they're letting him stay with them and all this and have him come to dinner and everything, He's not even treating him as a patient during that time. He's not right. doing sessions with him. He's not right. helping him. Like, what would be the point of them staying with him? It doesn't really, I don't know. <laughs> and and on top of that, they have him sleep over. Well, I'm going to get to that, but I have to point out at first the thing that truly, this is the first point in the movie where I genuinely could not help but laugh out loud, which is that there's a lightning storm starts and it cuts to like Leo's face (laughs) and it is honest to goodness. And I I guess this probably isn't saying much on the whole, but it is my favorite part of the movie. He just has this like manic look on his face and like the lightning striking behind. And I just like, I just burst out laughing at that. So I did, (laughs) I did get a genuine laugh out of that. So I I cannot take that away, but like, Oh my God. Yes. Okay. So now I I have to point out this, this 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 next point, (laughs) this next point, this was where I literally was out of the movie. Period. The wife allows 
this crazy man. Well, so let's set it up. Let's set it Go up. Ahead. You, you so, do it. So again, I mentioned there was lightning. There's a rainstorm. And therefore, Bob can't leave. They don't want to make Bob go out in the rain. Leo does, because Leo is sensible. But everybody else doesn't want Bob to go wherever it is that Bob goes when he leaves their house in the rain. Forgetting that they could probably, you know, I think he's like, oh, I could drive him in the car. Oh, well, we forgot the car in the marina. Well, like, how about just call a taxi or something? I mean, right. like, you know, like, get him out of there in any way possible, except for what they ultimately do, which is the wife's suggestion, which is, please. <laughs> Hey, why don't you sleep in my 10-year-old son's bedroom with him? Yeah, with him. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I'm pretty sure this isn't even like a 30-year thing. I'm pretty sure they weren't 30 years ago looking positively on letting grown men sleep in a small child's bedroom. And this is where it's like as if this movie wasn't off the rails to begin with. It's like the writers and Frank Oz and whoever are just like, like just asleep at the wheel at this point or on crazy pills because they all of a sudden now are treating Bob as if he is a 10 year old child to the point that Julie Haggerty is like tucking him into bed. The creep factor is at 11 at this point in the movie. If I didn't think it was creepy enough when he, when the teenage daughter asked this random stranger to go sailing, I definitely did when they have this guy who they've known. This family has known him for like two days at this point. Say, oh, well, my child has a spare bed in his room. Why don't you go sleep with my child? Not even like. And hey, like, sleep like, on the couch, bro. Leo, like they originally said like, oh, like I don't like Leo's like, I don't want him to be on the couch when Good Morning America gets here. So the solution is like put him in the kids' room. Like, why is that even a solution? Like, put him on the couch and tell him to f off before Good Morning America shows up. Right. <laughs> and, and oh, and that's another thing. So the next morning, when he's supposed to leave by six thirty, because Good Morning America is showing up at seven, Leo is pile driving him on the bed. Well, but even before that, before, yeah. there's a scene where. They're in their bedroom, and Leo, again, having a moment of clarity, is describing to his wife how bizarre it is that they're letting a man sleep in the room with his kids. So there is recognition in this character that this is like doesn't make this sense, shouldn't be happening. And yet, like, the wife is still like, well, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> like, oh, my God, this guy needs a divorce and a relocation after this movie. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I was so out of the movie. And then... You know, as I was saying, and actually, morning, the wife says because I have it in my notes and I forgot to mention it. The wife goes, "Oh, it's just kids being kids." What? <laughs> he's a grown ass man. Yeah. Like, has she lost her mind now and thinks he's like a child? Yeah. The, the, oh my god. And as I was mentioning, the, the trying to wake Bob up in the morning is so annoying and so stupid that like he's literally like pounding him on the bed, and the guy's just like laying there dead but then the alarm goes and the guy opens his eyes and i was like you yeah i would be i would be a bucket of cold water i would i think even if like this was like a real situation and somehow all of this had managed to pass up to this point i think i'd just like kick the guy in the head like just honestly haul off and kick him in the head and be like wake up and get out of my house yeah like (laughs) i was so out of it at this point and and then you know i'm just like I'm so mad at this movie because I really hate it so much. Well, and then the other thing, too, that's now all of a sudden happened, too, is that, like, Bob and the kid now have this new thing they've developed overnight, which is this thing where they kind of, like, call each other names. 
but it's not even like idiot or something like that. I, I literally wrote down so I could quote it correctly here that right again in front of this mother of this child, Bob calls the child a rat dick suck nut. <laughs> and the wife is like, Oh, Bob. Oh, like, Bob. Like, You're so cute, Bob. You're so adorable. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, what is happening at this point? So, like, no, I'm just, I'm done by this point. I'm checked out. I, 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 told, I said to Angela, I was like, I was tired already, but I was like really starting to check my watch at this point and everything like that. So, they have the interview. I didn't even really write any notes about this because it was all just like so predictable. It was just like, oh, of course, Bob is going to take over the interview and they're going to do the normal thing where the reporter and everybody likes him and like the whole thing gets misconstrued and Leo's even angrier and all this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but it finally I, breaks. I, and, I, I, and I almost, I almost fast forwarded through that whole scene. Cause it was just so stupid. I'm surprised was, you even watched the movie. I thought you were honestly just going to like, come on here I, and be like, I was very, yeah, I watched it. Wink, wink. I, <laughs> like, I was literally <laughs> at, at about minute 28. I was almost going to just turn it off. and say, <laughs> just this. I, I can't, I can't do it. But I, I got all the way through it, and it's two hours of my life I'll never get back, and I'll never watch this movie again as long as I live, period. Yeah, well, but- so Leo finally cracks, and he he takes um, Bob, sticks him in the car, heads off for a ride, and I'm sitting there looking at this scene like, oh, this is like Fredo on the boat. He's taking him <laughs> for a last ride here. He brings him to the loony bin, gets out of there, heads out, and of course, like, you know, like, the wife is doing the what about Bob? What about Bob thing? I'm I'm just like screeching in my head at this point. Um, and uh, next thing you know, he or you know, I guess that's because he gets home and she's like, oh, the doctor's on the phone already. So I don't know how far away this this mental hospital was, but he, he's gotten back. And as soon as he's gotten back, like they're already calling him. They said that he'd be there for 24 hours and they couldn't hold him longer than that. And yet after like 45 minutes or whatever that ride they're is, discharging they're calling him. him to come back and discharging him. And all, all of the doctors at this like insane asylum are like sitting there listening to Bob telling jokes as if none of them have anything else that they might be doing at this insane asylum. But, but the fact of the matter is, why does Leo need to come back and pick him up? Why? Yeah, I don't know. It's not like he's like his uh, get, get him a cab or something like you know? that. <laughs> hey, you're you're fine. Here's a cab. Go go home. Go back to wherever you like. I don't why? know. <laughs> oh, God, but he's like he's been there for like an hour, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, he's fine. Whatever." Like, there's not even been time enough to like diagnose if this guy actually has issues. You know what right. I mean? It doesn't I don't know. It just doesn't add. Okay, so so anyway. They're driving back, and, and Leo is just, he's fully gone at this point. And if I have to give this movie anything over some of the Beethovens, et cetera, of the world, this guy cracks beyond any other. Like, there's oh, yeah. no movie where the guy goes so, so far insane. And he, he finally pulls, like, the truck over, like, kicks him out of the truck. Bob's doing is like, oh, is this another form of therapy thing that he asked, like, ten other times during the movie? Um, and then, uh, next thing, like something happens, he, he, oh, he gets pulled over by a cop and right. he gets like stuck on the side of the road in the mud or something like that. Meanwhile, like, and, and Bob, Bob gets picked up by a, yeah, Bob gets picked up by a, as a hitchhiker. Like, <laughs> but the thing about this was like, this is the same guy who couldn't get in an elevator, couldn't get on a bus, couldn't leave his apartment. Now he can get in a car with a hitchhiker. A hitchhiker? Well, that's what I'm saying. There's no consistency to like the issues that he has. It's why it doesn't make any sense. A- anyway, uh, it turns out that this is like some like gigantic happy accident because they have mentioned earlier in the film. We didn't mention it. 
that his wife is throwing him like a big um, birthday surprise party. birthday party with all these people. And so like you would almost like be like, well, what were they going to do to get him out of the house if he didn't go driving this guy off to the sanitarium? Um, and like <laughs> just so happens to be late because his car has massive trouble. Shows up at his house. Looks like he just like rolled in mud. I don't know what level of car trouble gets you this filthy. Um, well, I mean, the car, guy, a car drove past him and shot him up. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, meanwhile, he looks like he was attacked by a bear or something. I mean, like it doesn't. I don't know. Whatever. But like he's like I do like that shot where he's like backlit up on like this like the glass and all the people are down below and it's like really creepy looking. And then like, finally, like Bob, like is like, hey, like you know, like and he's standing there with his sister. And he like leaps at him and like, I'm like, what would like, like the sister of all things, like set him off. <laughs> the, the, the problem is though, with this scene in particular is when, when we do finally see the reveal of what Leo looks like, the family's like barely reacting of, Oh, are you okay? Like what happened? Oh, everybody's, yeah, everybody's they stopped singing. Yeah. They're like in the middle of singing him. Like for, he's a jo-. Everybody stops singing. They're they like, what's the matter? What happened? They yeah. But, what but it's, but it's so like, but there's not enough time between when he sees Bob with his sister, that he goes leaping and that kind of yeah, just like, ultimately, right. you know, you know. Um, but the, the family at this point, finally, all of a sudden gets that, that like, this is a problem. The guy's losing his mind and that Bob should go. Like, you know, it's like, why now is the family finally just figuring this out? But even still, after that, like, they they keep telling Bob, please leave. And he won't He's like, leave. You want me to leave? Yeah. And yet, like, like they close the door on him. But and even it, before it, that, on the way out, he kisses their teenage daughter. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that I thought was very weird. Again, yeah, like, yeah. what I'm, is I'm, happening? I'm, I'm like, like, the, like, they've asked him to leave nicely they've asked him several times they they kind of like spell it out for him he won't leave call the police listen this man will not leave my house he's not their friend like i don't know why they They owe him nothing they owe him nothing and uh, this woman as the wife of a psychologist who would be seeing people that would have various issues where they might be needy and need to contact them at hours that are outside of hours. She would understand that this is not okay. You know what I mean? Like, so it just doesn't, it doesn't add. And and finally, Leo has just completely gone off the deep end. He goes into town, he breaks into the general store. He's looking at, at guns and he's going no too messy, which I'm like, what? Because the very next thing he looks at is stump explosives. <laughs> you would think that like a single shot out of a pistol would be a little less messy than blowing a human up. But again, why does he need a gun? He 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 showcases that he has a rifle. But then he has yeah, he has just like a shotgun then anyway after that. <laughs> and so he, he takes he takes Bob out in the woods, he ties him up to a bunch of logs. And he's like completely gone nuts. He's like, I'm going to blow you up, Bob. And he's like, oh, is this another form of therapy? Which I'm like, if Bob asks one more time in this movie, is this another form of therapy? I'm going to rake my eyes out of my head because I'm like, it's not even funny at this point. Yeah. it's, um, it's Yes, it's called death therapy. And then, of course, it's like it's like the the like the baby steps thing comes back. I got to like baby step, untie your rope. And somehow he's able to untie this rope. And then he like leaves the bombs around his neck and goes like to to Leo's house for some reason. And 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 again, <laughs> we we've mentioned this many times in, in the podcast before. 
Time makes no sense in this movie. <laughs> Leo sets that timer what at What is that 10. timer? <laughs> like, he's got, like, some sort of kitchen timer that somehow Leo knows how to rig up explosives but, to a kitchen look, timer. Let's put it this way. Let's assume for a second that you can go into your general store and just buy, essentially, chunks of TNT to explode stumps. Let's assume that's fine. Right. Let's assume also that it's on one of those old-fashioned kitchen timers where you, like, wind it and it tick, 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 ticks to a point. Let's assume that's okay as well. Let's assume that he then sticks it in a bunch of pink satchels around this human's neck and then leaves to... I mean, he's basically a, a murderer at this point. He's an attempted yes. murderer. He is He has gone so far past anything that's reasonable that he's going to kill another human being rather than, I don't know, call the cops, Police. get a restraining order, yeah. do anything that's rational. He's going to murder somebody. He's going to kill a human with explosives, like 20 pounds, I think he says, of explosives. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Even though he mentions that it would take like an ounce to explode a whole tree stump. And then this timer is ticking and ticking and ticking for, I don't know, what, 20 minutes, a half an hour? Well, that, that's, like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, he sets it for 10 minutes, right? And he's clearly far enough away from his home. Do you recall Leo- that? Did he set it? Do you remember? Yeah, I, well, I watched it because I, I, I rolled it back and I checked. Why 10? not like 60 seconds? Like like enough to just like walk out of the blast radius, I would feel like would work. Well, I figure, you know, if, like you said, an ounce would blow up a stump and he does like 20 pounds of this stuff, he would level part of the forest, right? So he's like, okay, I got to drive far enough away. But yet Bob walks to their house in under 10 minutes and unties himself and has this rash, re- re- like realization. It makes no sense. This should have taken two hours. So anyway, Bob's goes into the house and finally puts the satchels down for some reason. I don't know. He, he, he put all the ropes on the ground in the woods. He brings the satchel with, puts the satchels down in the house, finally runs into Leo and the family down in front of the house again. And Leo says, what'd you do with those satchels in just enough time for the house to explode? Uh, because I have to stick another little fun fact in there. That is a one quarter scale house that they exploded as a practical effect in a lot nearby where they were filming it. That house um, still exists to this date. You can go and see it. I think it's in Virginia, not New Hampshire. Um, <laughs> but uh, they blew up the the little model house. The Sigmund Freud thing lands there. Um, and Bob, or, or excuse me, Leo, um, I think essentially um, goes catatonic at this yeah. point. Um, the very next scene, I think, is that Bob is marrying the sister because, sure. By the way, his sister, fun fact, is um, Frank Oz's dead. good friend and longtime um, <laughs> she, she's not dead. She's, she's not dead. Oh, she's, she's not. She's very much alive. <laughs> okay. She's not on Monk. A little, a little bit part she had in that movie, but she's the voice of Prairie Dawn and Zoe on Sesame Street. She's oh, a cool. puppeteer for. For those two, so she's been around. That's why she knows Frank Oz. Um, marrying his sister, and he like wakes up like in the thing, and they're like, "Oh, he's back!" and and like they do the dopey thing where it's like they all hug the text on and- the screen of like what happened to them, and like I don't remember if they even said what happened with Leo, but so, like, yes, Bob, okay, so. So Bob goes on to become a psychologist, which is like, yeah, right, <laughs> and and writes a book called death therapy and it says leo is suing him for the rights yeah 
Well, there you have it. So Boom. what about Bob? What have you got? Because we, we, of course, have steamrolled anything that you were probably feeling. You were feeling hopeful I was going to like this, but didn't. I know you took a couple of notes. Like, I mean, I, I guess I just never really analyzed this movie to that extent. I think it's just a silly. I don't again. I don't think it's the greatest movie ever. I don't think it's Bill Murray's greatest movie ever. I just think it's a silly, goofy movie. And I guess, I yeah, I'm just really entertained by the fact that you both hate it so. I mean, there must be. You have to admit, then there must be something to it that like both of us would would get this aggravated by it. Oh, I get it. I mean, like there's movies that I get aggravated by when somebody just keeps getting beaten down and beaten down, which I feel for the Richard Dreyfus character because it is, it's like everybody around him is out of their damn mind because why would anybody re- like him? And none of it makes sense. And there's say like, the, the, what's funny for me is yeah, the him kissing the daughter at the end creeps me out. And the whole Tourette's thing bothers me to no end. I think it's just wildly inappropriate. Yeah, well, because especially yeah. that's the one that like he keeps bringing up as like, yeah. I have to act like I have this because that way I won't have it. Yeah. Like, it's really disingenuous to people with Tourette's and especially too, because they do say sort of early in it that like most people with Tourette's don't present with that. It's just like the stereotypical, exactly. you know, version of it that they have to like scream obscenities and things like that. So I think it is unfortunate. There is one other line in this movie that did give me a smirk. And it's a predictable line, but it's it was it was smirk worthy. When he gets on the bus and he sits down on the bus, he turns to the guy next to him and says, "Please knock me unconscious." <laughs> that made me laugh. A I mean, most that one other one. Well, that most you of the liked, times, most yeah. of the times that I liked anything in this movie, it was that old couple. Like I was you know, just like about to yeah. say, when, they, when they pull up and drop off Bob, and like the husband's like, "All right, we'll see you later, Leo," and the woman's like, "You're a dickhead, Leo," or something like that. I mean, I laughed at that. I mean, I laughed at any time they were out on the boat, like just giving them like horrid looks. I mean, like they, honest to goodness, were like my favorite part of this movie. Like because like they were the only characters I could relate to because they're they're just looking at these people like these people are insane and i hate them you know, <laughs> i love that they're out on the boat morning noon and night too you, you I know they were especially too because presumably they should be like running their, their coffee shop. or something you know what they reminded me of you remember in the movie uh happy gilmore yes there's, there's the guy who's like you know grizzly adams did have yes, a beard yes. <laughs> i was thinking the exact same thing to be honest with you yeah it's like that weird little character that's just in the background like you know like raising like their their fist in the air at people and things like that yeah 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 no th- they were my favorite part of the movie like bar none um yeah which is disingenuous that i don't remember their names now unfortunately but but really this movie is bad like it's, it's, it's just bad like it really like it there's nothing I can find that I could say was anything of substance that I would say this movie needed to be made. Like it did not even, it just was awful. Yeah. Again, I mean like I would much rather have been watching a captain Ron or one of these other movies that's in the same vein that I personally find way more enjoyable um, than this one. It it just, it just didn't do it for me. Um, If this movie wasn't starring Richard Dreyfuss and Bill Murray, it would have never been made. Uh, yeah, oh, of course. I and I'm really actually I think probably if they weren't trying to get Robin Williams, it wouldn't have been made either. Right I mean, now. like even again yeah. with like Richard Dreyfus, like 
he's not even like one of my favorite actors out there by any stretch, but I just, his character is just so unlikable. You know, again, like the difference between him and Martin Short and Captain Ron is that Martin Short's likable. You want to see him succeed. You want to see him sail the boat at the end. I don't like Leo at all in this movie. There's nothing redeeming. He's either pompous and stuck up in the beginning or just complete loon by the end. And there's just no point in the middle where you feel for him or you feel like bad that Bob is ruining there, his life with his family moment, or anything. There's a moment in the movie where you, they, they try to make him sympathetic in the sense that when the son does dive into the water and after that, they like, he freaks out, whatever that they, he says like, my daughter hates me. My son hates me. How could I be doing this interview with good morning America? If my own family doesn't even like me. And he lays down in his bed and he has this like moment of realization. That's his only redeemable moment in the whole movie. Yeah, but even at that, it's because he's just an awful person. Right. <laughs> like his family like acts that way because he's like always psychoanalyzing them and talking to them with puppets instead of like being a human. Yeah. I don't know. I just I, I hate Leo so much. And again, Bill Murray's stuff, you know, I know that improv is hit or miss, but just nothing was hitting for me out of him. There's no moment that Bill Murray said anything in this movie or did anything where I laughed out loud at it. All the laugh out loud stuff for me was other characters in this. Yeah, me too. And that's unfortunate because I love Bill Murray. I think he's really funny. I love him in a lot of stuff. But I just, just this character just did not hit for me. I just could not get into it. And we don't ever know what happened to Gil at the end of the movie. Poor no Gil. No I don't know. He, he was inside the house. Around. He would have been blown up in the house. Oh, no. I think you might be right. <laughs> that Gil, fish Gil. finally did get it in the end. <laughs> Unless, like, I'm curious, like, if I would, like, I really don't want to stick it back and try and watch it again. But, like, I'm curious if there's, like, a seat at the wedding with Gil in a bowl. <laughs> I can see that being the case somehow. But, like, I think you're right. I think he was in the house. And that fish is probably toast at this point. Yeah. So... Oh. In the end, this movie was awful, and uh, I hated it. I hate it. <laughs> I still hate it. I'll, I'll hate it forever. Um, I'm sorry, Angie. I, I just, I absolutely hate it. I'll never not hate it. Yeah, I, mean, I'm, I apologize for steamrolling you again. We have this bad habit with our guests that they kind of get steamrolled. I think you would have had more to say or do in this one if, if I had at least been more positive on it. <laughs> It's just as entertaining. <laughs> well, I hope it's entertaining for you out there in listening land. Let us know what you think about our What About Bob review. Let us know where you fall on this movie. I'm curious if there's any other people that are, again, Team Angie, that are like Mike and Peter Nuts, and I just this movie's quite funny. <laughs> I can't wrap my head around how this was the number one movie. This Like, it's just, it's but so again, Yeah, but we bad. talked about that last uh, yeah, time. I think, I think there yeah. wasn't much to choose from, and... You know, There's a lot to choose from. I just think it goes back to what you were saying about like out of a family movie, yeah. you know, something that could draw a bigger crowd. Yeah. This might've been in that vein, but it is unfortunate because I think any of the other movies would have been better to, to rewatch and review. So also let us know if this whole format of us torturing ourselves with these top movies, if they're trash is bad and you'd like to listen to the second, because I'm starting to, you know, I, for a while I was like, I think the fun part is putting ourselves through this. But now I'm just like, you know what? Maybe we should watch some of these other movies over these. Maybe people would appreciate some of the second place movies more than the first. Because <laughs> this is like, ugh, just so bad. <laughs> what do we have next month? You know what I'm going to do? Here's what I'm going to start doing. If we have movies like this that we're unsure about, I think I'm going to start putting it on our socials and we'll allow our, our listeners to veto the movie. 
Yes. How did that sound? Yes. Let us know about that because I, I think I will be flubbing the numbers. That, that we'll put our fate in your hands if we get another "What about Bob?" and we're feeling wishy washy on it. And Goodfellas is the second place movie. We'll pitch it to you guys and say, yes. "What do you think? What like, about Bob?" Or the second place film seriously. or something? Seriously, <laughs> how the hell? Like, come on! It's just. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I, I would hope that for some of our listeners that the torturous nature of this provided some laughs. So that's the intent, but we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> that would be amazing if they voted for the really bad movie. Just to that, that's what I that's why I say, like, at least we're throwing it out to to fate then that, that like if people want to listen to the other movie because they like that movie better, they vote that way. Or if they want to see us completely torture ourselves, they vote that way. <laughs> they're gonna vote that like look number two was backdraft better movie than this you know like come on you know, we could have watched fx2 number four uh, i don't Nobody know that been better that than this. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was something you'd never seen though would have been good been i good. didn't see this <laughs> Uh, all right, well, let's let's bring this train into the station because I've had enough of talking about this movie. Good. So uh, if but, you uh, want to get in touch with us, grab a hold of us on our socials. We are Box Office 30 on Facebook and Twitter and Box Office T-H-I-R-T-Y on Instagram. Um, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> so I, I, what I will say is, so next month is a movie that I do really like, and it is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And right, it's, so we got some positivity ahead of us. It's, it's very unfortunate, though, that next month is also City Slickers. And I'm kind of like, oh, man, I wish we were watching City Slickers. <laughs> because in the, as I've said this before in, in other things, I'm like, Billy Crystal turns 39 in that movie. And he says... I'm go. I'm yelling moo cow at a river, and I'll be 39 next month too. And I feel like it's only should be that should be karma. That should. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we can spend a little time chatting on the uh, box office 30 about city slickers and some of the. I think we got a couple more months coming up now where there's some decent films. Um, yeah, you like get you get Terminator spend. Two in, in July. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll be able to spend some time talking about some decent movies now instead of just complaining about how there's lack of depth in the uh, box office chart. You have good theme music for Robin Hood. You can let that linger. Yes, we could. That's true. Brian Adams rocking. <laughs> it is. It is a good tune. That song. <laughs> so. All right. Well. Thanks for listening, folks. Tune in next time in two weeks for our next episode. And uh, in the meantime, we have been the What About Bob uh, torture players. (laughs) We do not feel good. We do not feel great. We do not feel wonderful. (laughs) Enjoy your Memorial Day. (laughs) Bye, friends. Bye. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.